when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Folks, we're back. It's the post-trade deadline edition of Biscuits, which is a hockey podcast. I'm Dave Lozo over here in Brooklyn, New York. And I'm Sean McAndrew in, once again, frigid Ottawa. we got Tim Barnes here producing for us. He's uh, going to take over the podcast possibly in late March or early May when either me or Sean goes away. I was giving Tim some hockey buzzwords if it winds up being you two. Just say clutch, just say Corsi, just say grit toughness and i mean you can you can build an hour around that i'm pretty sure like absolutely just say compete level and then sigh with frustration <laughs> just say bad things about the avalanche and the the, the readers will be happy what's going on with you i need a new phone i need phone advice because i've had the iphone 6 for like two and a half years and it no longer seems to want to stay on like my battery gets down to like 62 percent and then my phone's like, ah, screw it. We've done enough today, and it just turns off. But if I plug it back in, it works again. But I'm going to be out for times where I'm not going to have my laptop with me, so I don't know how to keep my phone charged, and I don't know what kind of new phone to get. Tim's an Android guy. My friend Harris is an Android guy, but I'm addicted to iPhone products, so I, I don't know what to do. I, I'm like the last guy to give you advice because my last iPhone started doing that, and I kept it for like a year. The battery would just be like, I'm 85. No, I'm 21. Actually, I'm 45. <laughs> I'm off. And then I'm like, yeah. oh, so sad because I was... I was like carrying around all these rechargers and stuff. Like I'd go on the road and I would just be like hauling out different, you know, plugging stuff in. And like people on the airplane were looking at me like I was probably putting a bomb together or something. And it was just so, <laughs> so sad. Like I one time had my phone die. Like I plugged it in at night, left the hotel with a hundred percent charge and had it die at 9 a.m. Jesus Christ. It was, yeah, it's, as my wife was texting do. me about like problems that she was having. So that was... Those are good times. Oh, so wait. So are you, are you just like reinforcing your cover story for not wanting to listen to your wife's problems here on that the podcast? It. Like your phone phone really died. really died. See, I mentioned that sorry. on a podcast. Yeah, sorry, honey. It's, I, I've got I, witnesses. <laughs> Still happens occasionally. Strange. Yeah, yeah. Weird. Every time she's like, you just charged the phone. No, 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 no. I, I did, but I, I don't know. I guess I got to get a new phone again. Speaking Sigh. of people whose phones don't work, uh, I feel like we got a few of those. There's a segue. Oh, boy. There's your one. Yeah, that's a segue. I'm pretty pumped today because, it, like, every every week we do this podcast, you and I, like, kind of email a few days before about different topics and what are, what's going on in the NHL, what can we talk about, and we didn't really have to do that this week because we got a whole full show where we know exactly what we're talking about. It is deadline wrap-up, 
And uh, the idea being that we're just going to go through all 31 teams. 31. Do them alphabetically, and, and we'll just we'll kind of give each team as much time as it deserves and sort of go through who did what and who mm-hmm. did not do what and how we feel about that. It's very much an episode of Seinfeld where we're just going to talk about nothing for approximately 30 minutes, and you're going to enjoy it because we're going to make fun of the nothing for the most part. So uh, we're going to do this alphabetically, I believe, is the uh, plan. That is the plan. That's the okay. incredibly complicated plan. Let's dive in because get right to we kind of get to ease into it. We start off with an easy one. First team is the Anaheim Ducks, who made one very, very minor trade on deadline day, which, which nobody cared about because it didn't really involve any NHL players. Their only deal from the last month was, uh, I guess, a decent-sized one. A week ago, they added Patrick Eves from Dallas for a conditional second-round pick, which I believe can become a first-round pick. If they get to the conference finals. If they right? get to the, the conference, conference finals, finals, one of these. So not definitely not cheap. But sad as it is, Patrick Eves was kind of one of the bigger names out there. So Bob Murray went out and got him. Is that enough, given what other teams were doing? No, no, no of course not. They're, that, they're not, they're not going to beat San Jose because they added Patrick Eves. They're too slow. Corey Perry is not scoring. It's not going to matter. But it is very sad, though, that right off the bat, we have already touched on possibly the third biggest trade of trade season. <laughs> Patrick freaking Eves to the Ducks. <sighs> this yeah. day used to mean something, kids. It used to be fun. There was a time. If if you're Anaheim, would you have done more? Or uh, no, I mean, I don't know what more they could do. Like, here's the thing: is them in Tampa were one of the two teams I felt like that actually could use the expansion draft as an excuse to not do stuff because they were in a spot where they had too many good guys at a certain position that they had to protect, and they were right. kind of in a weird spot. So I get it. But at the same time, though, like they're not getting any younger. Like Ryan Getzloff isn't getting any better. Corey Perry's not getting no, that, any better. That's an old core. Yeah, it's really old. That's it? at least the forward for and and, and old and locked in long term. So, I mean, this is kind of what you got for the next few years. And here's the flip side of the expansion draft thing. You're right that the Ducks are one of those teams that's in a little bit of trouble, specifically because they have all of these defensemen. Then why not use the deadline to address that problem, move out a younger defenseman, bring in somebody who can maybe help you get another long playoff run out of this core before they get too old to really be contenders. I mean, it's a thing, though, is they really didn't need defensemen. I mean, they, they, they could use anything, really, to help them. But, yeah, I mean, this is kind of... I, I don't know. I feel like they did fine. I feel like they could probably beat Edmonton in the first round if that's the matchup they get. And then they'll lose to San mm-hmm. Jose. Like, I don't, I don't think they were going to do anything on, on deadline day that was going to help them beat the Sharks. So, Patrick Eves for a second. That's fine. All right. Give him a passing grade. Yeah, passing grade. Next team. Uh, and this was a team that was a lot busier, mm. but maybe not as busy as we thought. Nope. Arizona Coyotes made a bunch of trades, including what I thought was one of the best ones of the deadline week lead up, which is the Martin Hansel trade, where they sent him to Minnesota and got a, a ton of pay, you know, first, a second, a fourth prospect. They got a pretty good haul for this, for a guy who is not... I don't know. He, he Every year there's one guy who at the deadline just transforms into a much better... Like, you've, you've never heard his name come up for almost the entire year, and then suddenly at the deadline he's just the second coming of Wayne Gretzky. And this year it was Martin Hansel. I remember it was... I think it was Michael Bodker a couple of years ago. He either went to Colorado or from Colorado, and he was like a point-per-game guy the last, like, 18 games. Yeah. And I mean, I like I, I like that deal specifically for our... I, I like it for both teams, because... 
Minnesota is mm. just like, screw it. We got to go for it right now. Yeah. Chicago's a little bit weaker. We're playing really well. We got a coach that as long as we don't fall behind or get up 3-2 in a, in a playoff series, we'll be good. I mean, that was kind of the one deal of Arizona's that I liked. I still don't get how mm-hmm. you can paint yourself into a corner with Shane Doan and Redeem Verbata and then not be able to trade them because the one guy is not good yeah. anymore and the other guy has... Apparently, his bonus situation on his contract is what scared teams off with like a flat cap next year. Nobody wanted to take on Redeem Verbata and have his bonuses carry over. Yeah. I mean, we've we've known that all along. Like that wasn't yeah. new information, and yet, with like it, it was weird because it went from in the morning watching on the Canadian networks up here. Like somebody was saying, "There's eight teams bidding on Redeem Verbata, and he's guaranteed to go." And then he doesn't go anywhere at all. And you start seeing all these stories about, well, maybe he didn't want to go. Maybe they they want to re-sign him as a veteran for the kids and this and that. To me, I mean, that's exactly the sort of player, if you're in a position like Arizona, you've got to find a way to move him and get something for him. And it sounded like, especially given everything they got for Hansel, that they would be able to get something pretty good. And then nothing. Nothing at all. And I still I still think Shane Doan's hilarious where he's basically like the really unattractive dude at the bar who's drunk and slurring his words at like two in the morning. And he's like, I'm only going to go home with the best looking girl on the bar. And I, I'm not leaving until I do. Well, I, I got bad news, buddy. Like she left like three years ago and yeah. and, and you're, you're, you're stuck where you are. I, I, I love Shane Doan, but I, I really wish she would have came to the realization that the Coyotes yeah. weren't going anywhere two or three years ago and then got to play, you know, for a contender. But Alas, it's kind of hard to move a $4 million or a fourth line $5 million guy with five goals. That's not John Jacob's fault. Yeah. Tough week for Shane Doan because he apparently only discovered that the Coyotes were bad <laughs> over the weekend when they traded Martin Hanson. He gave that interview where he was like, wait a Hang second. Hang on here. Wait. And then he doesn't. Uh. So I don't know. They, like, I get Shane Doan not moving. If I'm John Jacob, I would have tried very hard to, to get that done. And I'm guessing he did. I had this great big long Sportsnet winners and losers post that I had to file shortly after the deadline. And so I I was kind of working on it off and on throughout the day. And at one point, like I had the Coyotes as a, in a great big winner spot because they had done so well on the Hansel trade. I thought that I'm thinking, you know, that this is it once, once they get something for these other guys, they're going to be laughing. And then it just it just never happened. I'm always hesitant to rip too much on GMs who don't make a deal we all thought they should have made because you never know what's happening in the background. You never know if some other team pulls out of a deal you thought you had at the last minute or, or something falls through. Like I'm sure there are stories like that sometimes. But yeah, at the end of the day, I mean, you're kind of judged based on what you do and don't do. And I was really surprised at some of the things that the Coyotes did not do, even though I liked the stuff that they did. You got to get a second or a third for Verbata, especially in this market where there's nobody, yeah. no scores really available. Technically, Drill McGinley was possibly traded for nothing, but I mean, if he's worth a fourth, Verbata's worth a second. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. I mean, if, if Thomas Vanek goes for a third, yeah. then I mean, that should be your starting point, especially if you have all these teams mm. apparently out there bidding on him. So, okay. They yeah. did okay, but it looked like they were going to do a lot better than that. Next team is the uh, Boston Bruins, who made one and only one trade, which snapped Don Sweeney's streak. It was the first <laughs> trade they had made in over a year because they had not made a deal of any kind since Martin uh, Jones since last year's trade deadline. And, oh, no, no. oh right, 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 like right, back right, back yeah. at the uh, the the deadline last year when they added Stepniak and Wiles, yeah. and, and that didn't really no. work out. So 
I love this. Do you? Wow. Drew Stafford. He's bad. To me, it's, well, he, he might be bad, but they gave up essentially nothing. I mean, six-round picks are nothing. And to me, this is a classic deadline day trade where you wait and you wait and you wait out a team and you end up being able to pick up what I think is still a potentially useful player for essentially nothing at a, at a steep discount because you use the deadline against a team. I think the bigger question is, shouldn't they have been doing more in one direction or the other? Because they're right on that playoff bubble and... You know, that's that's typically a spot where you want to either, you know, you want to kind of plant your flag and say we're, we're buying or we're selling. And they really didn't do either. I just, like, I'm looking at the Bruins' lines, like Marshan, Bergeron, Bacchus. They have Krejci and Pasternak, Vitrano, Spooner, and Jimmy Hayes. Like, where does, like, where do you put Drew Stafford? Like, not that the Bruins are so unbelievably loaded that you can't possibly use any help, but he just seems kind of, you know, you got to put him on the fourth line. Like, Drew Stafford's not a fourth line guy. I mean, I get it, it's for nothing, but... Again, this is like Don Sweetie's calling card, where it's like he, he doesn't want to commit to going all in to push for the playoffs. He doesn't want to tear it all the way down. Ah, Drew Stafford for a sixth. Why not? That's that's nothing. Yep. That makes that makes everybody you know realize that I know how to use my phone. So uh, we'll go with that. I don't know. Not a, not a fan. I mean, that's one where I, I think Boston, I loved every trade they made, and yet I still wasn't very impressed with their deadline because they only made one, and they're one of those teams. They're stuck in the middle lane. And they can't decide which which lane they should yeah, be in. Stuck in the middle with nothing. Here they are, stuck in the middle of the east. Sorry, what's next? <laughs> the next team Buffalo? is the Buffalo Sabers. They didn't do anything. Who did nothing? Basically nothing. nothing. After doing basically nothing, or I think entirely nothing at last year's deadline, I feel like the Tim Murray bandwagon, which I've been occupying a seat on since day one. And which got very crowded at one point. Like I feel like it's starting to thin out oh, a little bit. Oh boy, how dare you, sir? I'm on that. I'm still on. Yeah. I'm still. I'm still sitting in business class. I love the guy. You know, he he was up here in Ottawa for for the longest time, and so you see him go and get a get his shot. And and I like the plan. I like what he's doing in Buffalo. But yeah, this this was a weird one because they had some names that were supposed to be in play that you would have thought they could have got something for like Gianta the, the Cody Francis and yeah yeah, yeah a classic yeah you know rental guy and and I mean they're six points out of the playoffs so they're really that they're they're not even really on the bubble at this point you would think this would be an opportunity in what was supposed to be a seller's market to dip in and even even if you're just getting you know I know that to some extent I'm sure Sabres fans are tired of getting picks and prospects and stuff for years down the road but you get those things at the deadline and then that's ammo that you've got to maybe do something a little bigger in the summer to help you heading into next season and again i you know i don't know if if things fell through or if uh you know what what may have happened but this was a team i was expecting to see them make two or three two or three seller moves and really they basically didn't do anything all right here's why i like them standing pat is because what you said earlier, you can't be trading veterans at the deadline every year for picks. And this is probably their best season in a long time, even though they're still six points out of the playoffs, right? But they stand pat. Teams ahead of them in the standings. Philly kind of sold, kind of stayed pat. I don't know. I don't know how you describe their deadline. That was weird. Tampa sold. Florida added Vanek. The Islanders 
did literally nothing. Weird, weird. We'll, we'll get to that later too. So in a way, yeah, there's six points out and six points out in today's NHL was like 12 points out before the loser point, but you can still kind of make a run with this team. They got to this point where they're essentially a NHL 500 team, even though they've lost 11 more games than they won without Jack Eichel the first five weeks. Brian Gianta likes it there. I think, you know, you look at the team and you just say, hey, let's just keep it together. Let's make a push down here at the end of the season and 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 see how close we can get. That's probably better for the group than it is to just trade Gianta, trade Franz. And so I like it. I Doing nothing sometimes is better than doing something. And you know who said that? Abraham Lincoln. He really wow. didn't say that. I don't know. Maybe Ben Franklin. Maybe it was Joey Tribbiani on Friends. I don't know. It was somebody. Somebody famous. <laughs> Somebody famous and and incredibly yeah. important. Gandhi, maybe? I don't Said know. That. All right, yeah. I'm still not sold on some of these guys that were heading into UFA anyways and probably aren't coming back. Evander but. Kane, too, by the way. Evander Kane has basically scored all of his goals in the last, like, two weeks. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine not trading Kane, not trading any of their old guys. Mm-hmm. I like it. I'm, I'm, still, I'm still in the Tim Murray bandwagon. If you guys are getting off... Are you, are you still okay with it if all of those UFAs bolt in the offseason and they've got nothing... To show for them. Well, I mean, Gianta's probably gone anyway. Franzen, Franzen, who cares? Who are their other UFAs? Uh, Kulikov. Yeah. And then Cody McCormick is the is the other one, and he's he's hurt. So. Yeah, uh, it's not the it's not the worst thing in the world. You probably want to keep one of those two defensemen next year, but you lose them both. You lose them both. You go. I mean, you look at like a guy like um, David Schlemko. He was nobody two years ago, but he was a solid defenseman available in free agency. You can find those guys in free agency, those depth defenseman type guys. I'm I'm fine with it. I'm 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 still I'm I'm still okay. a Tim Murray supporter. I'm with you, Tim. All right, we're uh, you're still good on Tim Murray and the Sabers. Let's uh, move on to the Calgary Flames, who basically made two deals. One of which they picked up Michael Stone from the Coyotes for a third and a fifth, which is I think kind of your typical deadline deal where a team needs a defenseman and there aren't many good ones available so they go get one who's maybe not that good but also comes kind of Mm. cheap i was fine with that deal the other one that they made on deadline day apparently the calgary flames were the mystery team that had a second round pick on the table for curtis lazar of the ottawa senators a 22 year old former first round pick who's four years removed from his draft year and has one single point this season is it a secondary assist or is it a primary assist you know i'm not sure i'd have to go back and break down the film (laughs) which would take me roughly 10 seconds because again he's got one point he's playing like eight minutes a night for the last two weeks pierre dorian has been like just working so hard to put this story out there that there was this demand for curtis lazar and that he had a second on the table but he was trying to bump it up to a first and i was shocked that he even thought he had a second out there but he did and he ended up getting you know not only a second round pick but a player as well for a guy that had zero future with the team and, and probably wasn't even even going to play very much so i i don't you know i get from calgary's perspective of you know maybe fresh start you know as the kid's got some connection to alberta and, and all of that stuff but mm. ugh, that's uh <laughs> yeah that's you think you could get a little bit more for a second round pick than one point. Well, here here's the thing that I've come to realize because of this trade. There's two ways if you're a general manager 
where you can pump up the value of a guy who's destined to get traded at the deadline. You can do what the Devils did last year with Lee Stepniak, who is a third-line forward if there is ever a third-line forward, and play him on the first line all season. And you're like, wow, this guy's got 20 goals. I'll give you two draft picks for Lee Stepniak, and then you trade him and you put him on your third line, and you're like, oh, right, he's a third-line guy. Why did I pay this much for Lee Stepniak? (laughs) Or you go the other way with Curtis Lazar, a guy who's young and talented, Play him eight minutes a night so somebody else says, oh, man, if we get him, we'll play him 14 minutes a night, and then he'll produce. He's just in a bad spot. He's got bad line mates. He's not getting regular ice time. We'll take care of that guy when we get him. And that, I think, has a better chance of working out than the Lee Stepniak situation. Yeah. So I also kind of like Yerki Yokopaka. Uh, I like saying it, and I like I like, I like like looking at it. I don't like spelling it. But he was the guy in Dallas who um, – got pushed out last year when the stars traded for um, gritty gutty Chris Russell at the deadline. And I remember like talking to someone in Dallas and I was like, well, why, why not just go with Yoki Paka? I mean, he's probably the same guy as, 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 uh, as Russell, but he's not going to cost you potentially a first round pick if you get to the conference finals. And I was like, no, 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 no. Yoki Paka is no good. So I, I think the senators got a pretty decent haul there. Like I, I think that trade could work out for both sides, but yeah, that's that's the key, man. You got you got a young player who's not scoring, just play him six minutes a night, and some GM will feel like that that like he can be a reclamation project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they think oh, I'm going to look like a genius. Oh, yeah. when we bring this guy in. So I, I mean, I got to I'll say this for for the Senators. I, I mean, they they pushed this story hard through a lot of different channels that they had these offers out there, and you know we'll we'll get to this with some other teams very shortly. But that is part of a GM's job is you you don't react to the market you create a market and i think this was a good example of a, a trade where a team did that and i think we're going to get to uh, a few other teams shortly that that maybe did not mm-hmm. almost uh, there but we'll move to our next team which is uh the carolina hurricanes which is another team that uh another seller they made a deal with the uh, another team that made a deal with the senators gave up victor victor stahlberg got a third rounder gave up ron hainsey got a second uh, and that was pretty much it. One minor league deal with the Canadians. Uh, is is there much to say here? I mean, this is a this is a bad team that's selling and and got a couple of picks for guys that they weren't going to keep anyway. They're like the Buffalo Sabers in a way, where they're constantly bad, and you feel bad for the fan base when you're constantly selling dudes for third rounders every year. But where they are compared to Buffalo, yeah, they did they got yeah. they got fair value for okay guys. The one thing with Carolina was there were all these weird rumors coming out over the last few days that they were. You know, maybe something big, they were going to move like a Justin Falk or someone. Yeah, like that. I don't know why that would have been strange. That but uh, yeah, they, they they didn't. So I think I mean they they basically did what was expected and what what they should have done. Uh, another team that pretty much did what was expected uh, from the opposite side of the of the aisle is the Chicago Blackhawks, who once again <laughs> uh, go into the deadline with with no cap space and no picks or prospects or anything to work with we're told mm-hmm. and stan bowman go, comes away with you know, a couple more a uh, couple more veterans gives up not all that much not not you know not not the big andrew lad for a first round pick rental like we saw last year but again the stan bowman finds a way to to bring reinforcements in when he needs them. I, I don't know if you know this but in the cba original six teams actually are allowed to go five million over the cap at the trade deadline they just have to be able to hide it from the media and the public sure. and then then they're fine that's how they keep getting to the playoffs every year at this point where they keep breaking down the team there's certain teams that it, like every year every year we're told sh- like chicago la and pittsburgh have no cap room 
And you even like you go to the websites and you're like, oh yeah, look, Pittsburgh's listed with like minus four million dollars in cap room, <laughs> and then like Jim Rutherford's like, screw that, I just acquired a four million dollar third line winger. Stop me, try to stop. Stop me, me if you can, Gary yeah. Bettman. Uh, exactly. Yeah, Chicago. And everyone's like, oh, okay. So. Chicago's fine. Like that's the thing. All these. All, Chicago. I fine. feel like we don't. Have, we're not gonna have enough hot takes for for the thirty teams where we can like go crazy. Like we disagree on Buffalo, but like everything else is just kind of like yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, you're right. We're that's, not that's not fine. yeah, not too many mm-hmm. uh, not too many hot takes. Let me just scroll down and see who's next after Chicago. Sure, go ahead. Hmm. Oh, look, it's the Colorado Avalanche. How about this? How about Joe Sackick doesn't trade any of his big guys. He trades Jerome McGinley, and it's very possible he traded Jerome McGinley for nothing, for literal nothing, for basically taking on some salary. LA did, and he they they might not get anything if Jerome McGinley doesn't get to the playoffs. That is so sad to me. He is the, the, that, that organization. Colorado made three trades, two of which were minor league deals, and one of which was Jerome McGinley for a conditional fourth, which, like you say, um, but, but, and by the way, again, big thanks to the NHL for having I know. <laughs> like a dozen conditional trades, conditional picks in trades, and not telling us what the conditions are. That's just, yeah, man, th- this league just really, get it. really appreciates and respects its fans that, uh, uh, you know, like there, there's one, I, I can't remember what, like there's, I, I think it was the uh, Yannick Hansen trade where it was like a, f- a conditional fourth. And then you find out the condition is that it could be a first. And it's like, yeah, that, that seems like that would have been worth letting us know. But <laughs> again, I don't want to sidetrack from the real issue here, which is what is Joe Sackick doing? Okay. So my, my theory is management was like, Joe Sackick is too stupid to make this trade. He's too bad at his job to make this trade. So what we're going to do is we're going to fire him after the season, let somebody else step in, make the trade themselves, because we, we, we can't trust him with a franchise-shifting deal with Matt Duchesne. If Matt Duchesne gets traded, we'll do it after the season. We'll take a little less in value because, honestly, Joe Sackick probably would have screwed it up. That's my theory. We talked about this last week or the week before. Like I'm okay with, with them not moving Matt Duchesne and Gabriel Landeskog. Like, there, there was another article in one of the papers today talking about th- these ridiculous uh, demands that Joe Sackick had for Matthew Shane and, and, and Landis Scott. Quote, ridiculous. And they weren't. I mean, the, based on what came out in the reports, they were, he, he was asking for, I mean, it was a high price, but it was a reasonable But it was one. like a first, like another high pick? He wanted a, f- a first, a price. Well, he, he wanted what every GM, there's no, no better sign of the lazy, uncreative GM <laughs> <laughs> then I want a player, a pick, and a prospect, right? Like, that's become, over the last couple of years, that is every trade demand for a decent player. You want a player, a pick, and a prospect. But yeah, he, he apparently wanted a first-round pick in this year's draft, which is not a good draft. He wanted a top prospect, and he wanted an NHL player who, you know, based on some of the names that were out there, would be like a serviceable good player, but certainly not, he wasn't looking for a star, which, to me, for a guy who's a former third overall pick, who's a 60-point first-line center, is perfectly, perfectly. reasonable. So I'm, o- I'm okay with them not moving either of those two guys. But you gotta fi- you're, you're dead last, and it's the trade deadline. You've got to find a way to move other guys. I, I mean, you've got to find a way to, to move a John Mitchell. Or you've got to find, you know, I don't know, Renee Bork. Uh, who, whoever these guys that you've got... You know they they have a handful of of free agents. They have a handful of veteran players who you know even guys who maybe have another year of term where you know could could you get 
would somebody have taken a Francois Beauchemin if you eat some of that salary uh, as a as a veteran third third pairing guy? Um, you know, and and I know like the the thing that kills me is the the only defense that I've heard for the Avalanche doing next to nothing is I've had a handful of of people say, well, look at their roster. Mm-hmm. Who would you want on that roster? Like, what good team is going to want any of those players? And it's like, that's not a defense of the general manager. That's actually what Mike Dexter said to, to um, uh, what's her name in that movie? We can't hardly wait. Amanda Beckett said, who's going to want you? And she was like, somebody. Yeah. And he's like, more like nobody. The Colorado <laughs> Avalanche are not quite Amanda, but they have players. No. Like, John Mitchell's a very good fourth-line center. I mean, if, if first of all, if you have a roster that has like literally no players that any other team would want, then you like, that's not a reason to give the GM a pass. That's a reason to have the GM forcibly hauled out of the building. You have screwed up your roster so badly that you cannot possibly trade anybody. That's not his fault. Wait, wait, hang on. Like literally our best player could not crack the lineup of any other team in the league is not a defense of your front office, but I'm with you. You're like, you, you know, you think some of these guys would have some value. And, and again, this is to get back to the, the point I was making when it came to like Curtis Lazar is this is, this is where your GM cannot be doing that. I'm not shopping, but I'm listening routine. If when you're in a situation like this, your GM's job is to get out there and to create a market for these guys one way or another, whatever it is, whatever that looks like, You've got to be out there working very, very hard to make sure that there is as much demand as possible uh, so that you can get something, like anything done when it comes to deadline day. And again, we don't know what happened behind the scenes. We don't know that, you know, maybe Joe Sackick was doing exactly that and, and something out of his control fell through at the last minute. I don't know. But... You know, this this is a league. You're judged on your results, and the results for the Avalanche on deadline day were were a disaster. Because when you look at the history of last place teams, the deadline day is your playoffs. That is your one chance. And you know, the Leafs last year made a ton of deals. The Sabers the year before, uh, you know, they they made their moves. You, you just can't let the opportunity pass you by. You you just you, you just can't. And yet, here we are looking at an Avalanche team that did exactly if that. If Curtis Lazar is worth a second and a defenseman, like a number six defenseman, like Matt Duchesne is worth a first, an NHL player, and a top prospect. He just he just is. And that not that's the other thing, too, with the Colorado deal. Colorado got Sven Andragetto, who I think is a perfectly fine bottom six kind of kind of skater. Montreal don't want him because he's he's not six foot four and two hundred and forty pounds and you know eats raw meat in his locker before games, so apparently he's not good enough for Montreal anymore. But um what the heck what, wait, I had I had a point when I started talking there. I started envisioning a guy eating a bloody piece of meat at his locker and I forgot what I was gonna say. But but <laughs> um yeah, what was I gonna say? I had a good point there. I had a really good point I was about to ring up which Joe Sackick and the the uh not making a trade but like Sven Andrigetto is actually a pretty decent player. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, I just I just don't get why you can't. You, you the, the only way it makes sense is if that the the management just didn't trust Joe Sakic's judgment on a package, mm-hmm. and they were just like, forget it. We we don't we don't want to do anything. We'll wait till the summer. Yeah. 
But, but, but even then, I mean, when it comes to the rentals, like what, one of my pet peeves, one of the things I hate in hockey commentary is when you see like, like a player is not putting up numbers, but they're playing well, like Rick Nash in the playoffs. And he's like, you know, he's all around the net and he's getting lots of shots and lots of chances, but the puck isn't going in. And somebody will say, well, he's, he's just got to find a way. And you're like, well, what does that mean? <laughs> find a way like that's, you know, it's like he's, he's doing his job. It's just the puck isn't going in and oh, he's got to find a way. So I'm, you know, I'm, I'm being a bit of a hypocrite here, but you know what? Joe Sackick, Colorado Avalanche, you have to find a way to make some of these moves. You, you just, you just do. This is your one swing at anything until the offseason. Again, you want to wait till you want to move Matt Duchesne at the at the draft. Fine, I, I'm don't don't act all surprised if the draft comes <laughs> and they don't make that move either, and they find a reason to kick it down the road even further. But maybe they do. Great with the big pieces, but just with the smaller guys, you've, you you have to find a way. Maybe maybe Joe Sackick didn't make a move because he was at the vet with his cat. And like he just, That's there was right. no cell reception in the yeah. office, so he couldn't take any calls between like noon and two. And then we, the last second, he was like, "Oh shit, uh, Jerome McGinley for a fourth. What's the condition? Sure. Uh, whatever, just uh, just take Jerome McGinley, please. Yeah. You got it, buddy. I forgot. I'm supposed to be the Lord of the Deadline. <laughs> I for- oh, that, I, I th- maybe, that take is not going to age. Well. Maybe maybe he got confused and thought it was a leap year and thought thought it was the 29th all day and didn't remember it was March 1st until it was too late. Like there's there's a lot of possibilities yes. that I'm willing to accept as what reasons for why Joe Sackick didn't do anything. <sighs> oh boy all right let's let's move on and let's right, we'll, we'll kind of speed through maybe a few teams here another team didn't do much columbus blue jackets yeah that's fine uh they, you know, they went and got kyle quincy they, i i feel like this was a bit of a tough one because the blue jackets are are looking at like everyone in the metro got a little bit better and the capitals got a lot better we'll get to them at the end but you know, I get why as a Blue Jacket fan, you're you're already thrilled with the way the season's going, and and maybe that that's enough for you. But to get to get out of that division, knowing you probably have to go through Washington to do it, I I feel like even though they added, they took a bit of a step back. Yeah, they, they, they I feel like they couldn't do anything with that. Like once once I feel like once Washington got Shattenkirk, everybody else was screwed. So I don't know. I've watched Kyle Quincy a lot here in Jersey this year. He's he's not good. I don't think he was that good four years ago when Detroit traded a first rounder for him. So he's not that much better. He's not better yeah. at all four years later, five years later. Okay. Uh, Dallas Stars, somewhat uh, surprisingly, poor based on bastards. expectations, were sellers and you know, just kind of, they sort of had a standard sellers deadline. I, I thought they did well on Patrick Eves and. Odia, Jordy Ben. Yeah, fine. Those deals are fine. It's sad that Patrick They're Sharp fine. got hurt. Patrick Sharp wasn't available to get traded. That kind of screwed Jim Neal. Yeah, I, I guess, yeah, that was that was sort of the big news. And the other thing that, that makes me sad if I'm a Dallas Stars fan is to watch Ben Bishop get traded for basically nothing. For and, you know, knowing that he, he, I don't know if they were ever really seriously considering him as an option, but, you know, knowing that that was a name that came up certainly a lot in the rumor mill as being a potential solution to your goaltending problems. And then, you know, he, he eventually ends up going for, for virtually nothing. And you're not in a position where you can take advantage they of it. They could have, if they had signed the Emmy to a two-year deal, like if the Emmy's contract ended this year, they could probably could have swung that as like they send the Emmy back his yep. contract expires, but nobody wants out to the Emmy for another year at that price. So I also, I also thought it was pretty funny too. Like there was a report. It was like Jim Neal is trying to trade Patrick Sharp, but he's being honest about how, how hurt he is. Everyone's like, wow, that's really great of him. 
Like, wait, is it, yeah. isn't that like, isn't that what he should be doing? Like, he, should Jim Nell be like, no, he's great. He's super healthy. And then they trade him and they find out like his, his leg fell off some, sometime in February and he just didn't tell anybody. Yeah. You can't do that. You just don't answer your phone. <laughs> no. So, yeah. So good. Yeah. Good job by Jim Nell being very honest and, and having pretty much a typical sellers deadline. Yeah. Uh, also sellers, Detroit Red Wings. Uh, yeah, they did pretty good. They did fine. Uh, you know, to me, the biggest thing here is they just, they bit the bullet and they sold. They gave, they and, gave up. You know, they, they've, they've folded their hands and the streak was, was amazing, but it's over and it's time to, to move on and, and look towards the future. And they didn't, you know, they didn't land any, like I thought they might get a little bit more for Vanek. They didn't land any huge pieces where, you know, the, but the deadline's a tough time to do that. I, I thought they got something at all for Steve Ott. Uh, it, they got what did they have? They got a two thirds, a second. Yeah, they got a second and a third for Brendan third. Smith. Yeah, you know what they they loaded up on a fair you know fair number of picks. So, uh, yeah, I thought I thought Detroit did a good job. Yeah, I agree. Ed Edmonton Oilers did uh, essentially nothing. Yeah, that was kind of sad. They, they, they traded Brandon Davidson for David Descharnay. I mean, Peter Shirelli did a lot of work in the off season, um, but I, the only thing with Edmonton is. Like I see both sides. On the one hand, you've got Connor McDavid, so you've got you're going to be good for the next decade with this kid. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. So there's no need to rush. And yet... You know the West is is wide open. Like I, I know they're the Oilers, and we're all just so used to after a decade of them being being a punchline. But why can't the Oilers win the Western Conference this year? San Jose Sharks. Next question. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, but like here, my thing is just it would be if they maybe they could still maybe possibly beat the Ducks if it, if that's the two three matchup in the Pacific, and I would have maybe done something besides trading for like the tiniest dude in the NHL possible to go play up against the Ducks like I don't know if DRNA is even going to crack the lineup he, he really shouldn't but like mm-hmm. you know they they're the Ducks are huge down the middle Oilers have Connor McDavid they have Dreisaitl I mean you're not going to throw David DRNA right. out there for for 50 shifts against Ryan Kessler are you and, and that's what's interesting is like the Oilers are one of the few teams in the league that has a pretty good sense of who they're going to play in the playoffs so they could actually have have looked ahead to that and, and kind of matched up, but I guess I guess not. The thing I would have done if I was Edmonton, they played sixty four games and Cam Talbot has played fifty seven of them. Like maybe you want to look into get getting someone not like you know Ben Bishop, but getting some guy down the stretch that could maybe share the workload a little bit, rest them up a little bit for the playoffs. But you're right, it's mm-hmm. it's the Oilers. Like they them making the playoffs and losing to Anaheim in five is a dream season for everybody there. So whatever. That's my take. That's my take. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers uh, story. Uh, Florida Panthers, uh, they made a big deal about how they were all in and, and all of this stuff, and they ended up going out and get the really only one trade, Thomas Vanek, for a third. That's a good trade. 
I like Thomas Vanek. I feel like he's gotten a bad yeah. rap because he stupidly turned down a bunch of money from the Islanders, and then he had that postseason with Montreal that he didn't really produce, but he had a bad hand the whole time. And he's weird. He's that weird dude who just seems to never want to take take a shot on a two-on-one or, or pass, or he tries to pass on breakaways. Yeah. It's weird, but I, I like it. I think he's going to be good there. I think that's going to be maybe the best deadline pickup of any offensive yeah, player. Yeah, and it, it, it's a good fit, too, because you know the knock on Thomas Vanek fair or not is always you know well look at his playoff record but the Panthers got to get to the playoffs before they have to worry about that and they've got 20 games to do it and you know he seems like a guy who could even if he helps you win one game that could be the game that's the difference between making it and not making it so I like it yeah I liked uh, I liked what they did uh next up is this is a team that I I think I I think you've got some strong feelings about the LA Kings (laughs) they uh they added a Ginla they traded Dwight King, but their big deal came a couple of days before the deadline, and it was the Ben Bishop acquisition, which I, I think has a lot of us confused. Might be a good good word for it. Yeah, I mean, we've probably beaten this to death in print over this time, but yeah, they, they needed scoring. And so they, they ended up getting a Ginla, which I think is going to be okay for them. Like I think he fits their 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 system, which is not really a system. He fits their style of not being fast. Like he's going to do very fine playing on the wing. I think with Andre Kopitar the rest of the way. So they got their scorer. They don't need. That's the thing is I just I, I get the argument that Peter Budai is dying down the stretch because he hasn't played this many games in his career, maybe ever or maybe even in forever. So you kind of want to have somebody there who's fresh if John Quick doesn't hold up, but. This whole thing where you have two number one goalies splitting time, like ask Dallas about how that works. It just doesn't. It just, the guys yeah. just can't adjust to that. So I, I think they'll be fine. I think they'll make the playoffs, but hmm, fine. The, the, the thing is, the thing is and, and I get it with them, is they're not completely – they don't want to be playing Jonathan Quick each and every night because he's coming off an injury. So they figure, let's go down the stretch with two number one goalies. They need every point they can get to even make the playoffs. And I mean, they got Ben Bishop for, from their perspective, basically nothing. I mean, they gave up a goaltender they didn't need anymore if they were going to get Ben Bishop, yeah. a prospect who's like an okay prospect, but certainly not not a blue chip guy. Uh, and they and they actually moved up a couple of rounds with with the late round picks that got swapped. So uh, I mean, it's not what they needed to get necessarily, but they got it cheap. So I'm I was actually a I think I was more okay with that deal than most people I saw. And also, uh, thanks for everything, Peter Budai. Thanks for thanks for saving our season yeah. for four months. Enjoy Tampa. <laughs> exactly. Enjoy not being in the playoffs. Uh, uh, Minnesota Wild. Love it. They made base the the Martin Hansel deal. Yep. I think I'm with overpaid, you. but go for West it. Is open. Go for yep. it. Yep. This is this is the t- if you're going to overpay, this is the time to do it, especially with that team. You know, we talked about. Uh, Anaheim having kind of an old core Minnesota you know they've they've had a bit of a youth movement the last year or two and that's has a big a lot to do with their success but they still have you know the Ryan Suters and Zach Parise's and Miko Koivu's are not getting any younger and yeah take take a swing at it this is this is your year to do it I I liked what they did all in uh, Montreal Canadiens. What is wrong with Mark Bergevin? Lot, what is wrong with him? A lot of trades. A, a, a volume. Hey, li- listen. If you're into if you're into uh, quantity over quality, that was a deadline for you. Yeah. I don't. Holy I don't get it. I just don't understand. Every time I feel like Mark Bergevin has has turned the corner, like he trades, 
He trades PK friggin' Subban for old ass Shea Weber, and you're like, this guy's an idiot, doesn't know what he's doing. But then you're like, oh, Alex Radulov, wow, for five million bucks, he's got like almost a point per game. That's a genius signing. Maybe he gets that skill is really important. And then he gets Claude Julien. You're like, wow, he he pulled the trigger. He said, Michelle Terrian's old archaic ways don't work anymore. We need Claude Julien. We got him. And you're like, here we go with the deadline. He knows they need offense. They're going to go out and get offense. And he just goes out and gets 10 pounds of sandpaper and throws it on the ice and says, go crazy, Claude. Here's your team. Yeah. Uh, with a team that needs that needs scoring help. You know, they, they need it. They, they, they basically got two guys doing all their scoring right now. And instead, they've got a whole bunch of grit, grit and sandpaper, and they're they're harder to play against now. Not necessarily any harder to beat. Like like the, okay, so the West is wide open. I think the East, like Washington's kind of Washington and Pittsburgh, are still the two teams to beat. But in their division, they can go two rounds pretty easily if they make the right moves to the deadline. They still could, obviously, because the division's not that strong. But yeah, I just don't know how you don't see that as an opportunity to seize it. He probably did see it as an opportunity to seize and said, you know what we need is Dwight King. We need we need some grit. Yeah. We need cups. Guy, these guys want cups. <sighs> I, I, that, was, that was strange. Worst deadline possible. Next up, uh, Nashville Predators. They added P.A. Parento. That's pretty much it. Yeah, stat people love I thought they might do a little bit more, but but that, that trade, it's, I mean, they got him for a six-round pick, which is a steal. Here's so. here's the thing about P.A. Parento, as as someone who got to watch him as well a lot here with the Devils. He knows how to score goals. He he is an absolute train wreck in his own zone. It, he, it's almost like he's never played hockey before when he's inside his own zone, and when he's in the offensive zone, he's like Sidney Crosby. Like He sees things. He knows where to go. In his own end, Like you put the puck on his stick at the half wall, and he's just like... He just poops his pants. Like twice a game, he'll do something completely <laughs> stupid. And afterwards, like so, someone will ask John Hines, what about that play that led to that third goal by the other team? And he's just like, yeah, we need to be better. We need to, do, when you say we, you mean PA Parento, right? Uh, everyone on that play yeah. needs to be better. Yeah, okay, sure. So while he's only a six round pick, if PA Parento commits a horrible turnover in the, in the Predators zone to lose game six against the Blackhawks in the first round, remember this podcast. Next, All next right. team. There you go. Next team is the, the Devils who, who, made that parento trade with the predators and also the kyle quincy deal that we talked about uh you know typical kind of sellers deadline but mm, didn't really didn't get much get all that much i mean no you know they didn't they didn't get a pick in the quincy deal they didn't get i guess the best deal they made was at the beginning of the month they got a fourth rounder for for vernon fiddler I couldn't trade mike camillary that's kind of bad. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, that would have been a tough deal to make, but yeah, that certainly would have been great if they, if they had done it. But uh, the New York Islanders, Baffle, baffling, absolutely, literally nothing at all. I think may have been the only team to do nothing. And in fact, we we have now passed the one year mark of the last time Garth Snow made a trade because you have to go back all the way to the last year's deadline. Doesn't it make Doesn't it make more and more sense that he has a lifetime contract at this point where he can have this, this team at this moment. Seems like the actions of a guy with a ten, with an unreported ten year <laughs> secret contract. He has to, like, uh, like he, yeah, he should he should be terrified of losing his job and at least making like a Victor Stahlberg acquisition, something. And he's just not 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 Doug Waite's got this the rest yeah. of the way. He, they're 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 what are they right now? They are they're a point out of the playoffs. Yep. Do you, do you think something, a little something, a point out of the playoffs, games in hand on teams they're chasing. Uh, yeah, mm. I, I I don't understand that. And I got to tell you, yeah. as someone who comes to the vice office in Brooklyn 
once a week, and I'm surrounded by people from Brooklyn. All they're they're, they're coming up to me. They're saying, "Dave, why why is this team that I've grown to love over the last couple of years not rewarding yeah. me for my fandom?" And I'm like, "Guys, it's tough. I, I don't know. Uh, I have no idea." So just to to root for a team for like just months and months and months of your life, just and then give them everything, they don't pay you back nothing. Uh boy. Okay. Uh, let's. Uh, we will. We will stay in the New York area because that's how the alphabet works with the New York Rangers who uh, were mostly quiet, picked up Brandon Smith. I, I feel like the news here is they didn't, they weren't the team that got Kevin Shattenkirk. And I, I wrote about this uh, on my, on my Sportsnet piece. I feel like big picture, they were smart. They're going to get Kevin Shattenkirk probably on July 1st for nothing. So why give up a first round pick and, and this and that to, to make that happen? If you can get Brandon Smith for significantly cheaper but I'm looking at Henrik Lundqvist as like the window for him to win a championship is getting smaller and smaller. This guy is, I mean, I think he's but 34, 35 years old. Mm-hmm. It, it's, you know, he's, he's not going to be an elite goaltender forever. And in fact, at the beginning of the year, it looked like maybe that time had already come. And since then he's been excellent again, but you've got, I mean, you can count on one hand, the number of, legitimate playoff runs you've got left with this guy and and you probably don't need all five fingers to to count that yeah and one of them you're gonna let i'm not gonna say you let it slip away it's not like they've taken a knee on the season but you're gonna let a team in washington where even if you even if you're lucky and you get to get that crossover spot and go to the the atlantic your path to the stanley cup probably goes through washington or through a team that's going to beat washington so would this not have been a time to maybe consider forgetting about the long term and forgetting about that first round pick that's not going to even have an impact on your team until 2020 at the earliest and and try to get as make a very good team as good as possible to win right now for your goaltender who is uh 35 years old and signed on a long-term very expensive contract that he's probably only going to live up to for another year or so if he even still is what did they trade for eric Stahl last year was it a second and a third or two seconds something like that they didn't give up a first yeah and that and that's the thing like i feel like now you know ever since glenn sather like glenn sather get traded his first round pick every year and now it's like no we're not going to we're going to be the team that holds on to our draft picks and i get it yeah it was two seconds for and a prospect for eric Stahl. i get that and that's good. And you, know, you got to rebuild the farm team at some point. But like, especially like, uh, like Lungfist was like, this is guys like a, a six round pick who just falls out of the sky. You, you take him in the 2000 draft. Nobody knows anything about him. And suddenly he shows up five years later and he's the best goaltender in the league for the next decade. Like that, that you, you had a gift dropped in your lap yep. by the hockey gods. And you know, I, this doesn't seem like the time to suddenly get all conservative about, you know, worried about, uh, you know, what are we going to look, what's our farm system going to look like three years down the line? Like, my thing is just, if they were willing to do that with Eric Stahl last year, when the Rangers were a much worse team last year, they were so much worse, yeah. so not going anywhere last year. How much more is what um, Washington paid to get Shattenkirk compared to Stahl? Like, yeah, you got to give up a decent NHL player to get him. Like, I, I was fine if the Rangers included Pavel Buchnevich in that trade. And the Ranger fan, there's no there's no person an NHL fan loves more than the young guy on the entry-level contract who has 20 points in 40 mm-hmm. games. No, He's the most popular guy on the team. But my thing is just, if you trade for Shattenkirk, 
you put yourself in a better position to sign him to in the summer because you can give him an eighth year. They can still do that by trading for his rights. But to me, I don't know if Kevin Shattenkirk would have made them a cup finalist. Maybe. I think maybe. I think you could have given them a chance if they had Kevin Shattenkirk. But now... Brendan Smith is not, Brendan Smith is probably their second best defenseman because yeah. that's a garbage fire blue line. That's a gar, that, that's a yeah. that's a that's a nightmare. Well, that's movie. the thing they needed. They needed Kevin Shattenkirk a lot more than most teams did, and especially once the reports come out that say it's it's Pittsburgh and Washington that are bidding on this guy. Yeah. And you're looking at this going, oh man, like this this would have been the one time if a team wanted to get a little over aggressive. I think I would have been okay. They with needed that. Shattenkirk more than they needed Stahl. They needed Shattenkirk more than they needed Yandel. They needed Shattenkirk more than they needed Marty St. Louis. And this is the one time they hold eyes. Just it is weird. I don't know. It's just I, I feel like we're going to be sitting here next year or two years, and Lungfist is going to be not himself, and he's making eight and a half million, and the fans are starting to turn on him, and you're sitting there going, uh, maybe they had one <laughs> last chance at it. We're googling. We're we're we're, we're googling Henrik Lundqvist buyout calculator and. It's all sad. And, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, so it, the next team on our list is sort of a weird one because this is a team that's nowhere near as good as the Rangers but kind of did act like they were going for it, which is the Ottawa Senators, who you know, we talked about the Curtis Lazar deal, uh, but they make a couple of other trades. They get they get Victor Stahlberg, and they get Alex Burrows. And the Stahlberg trade I think most people are fine with, but the Burrows trade's been kind of divisive because they gave up – a pretty decent prospect to do it, and then they gave Alex Burroughs a, a kind of ridiculous two-year contract extension. And you know, Pierre Dorian is is like, yeah, we're we're it, we're going for it this year. And the thing in Ottawa is, when you ever hear them say we're going for it, you never really know what it is. <laughs> like, is it the Stanley Cup or is it a third playoff home? Yeah, that's what it is. Revenue gate. That's what it is. Um, yeah. Like. I said this on Twitter, like if I'm the Ottawa Senators, I'm looking like I'm in the Atlantic division. I'm looking around. I'm going, okay, uh, the Montreal Canadiens have the best goaltender in the world who's still in his prime, but they're not having a very good season. They look vulnerable right now. Tampa Bay is stacked, but for some reason it's, it's, it's just everything's gone wrong this year. They're not really in the running. You look at what the Leafs are building. That team's going to be really good pretty soon. Sabres quite possibly there as well. The Panthers have been good. They're getting healthy. They, you know, maybe they're they're coming again, but they've had an off year. Like this feels like the one year that this division is really wide open. So if you're going to take a swing at it, this this seems like a good year to do it. So I don't mind them overpaying a little bit. And I know people people are like, ah, well, but you're still you're still not going to win the cup. You're you're you still got to go through the metro and and yeah, I get that. But I mean, even if you if you feel like you've got a chance to win this division, and by that I mean like emerge from the playoffs you know go to a conference finals take your shot you know who knows what happens when you get to the conference finals yeah. if, if you can get there who and and even if you don't you that gives you three three rounds of playoffs like i'm the, the auto senators were it's the 10-year anniversary of them going to the cup final they really haven't done anything since then you know they've made the playoffs a few times they've won a couple rounds but like there's there's kids in high school here in ottawa who have no living memory of this team really doing something meaningful yeah maybe there's a maybe the door is open to do it this year like i don't mind them being a bit more aggressive and i feel like i'm kind of alone on that because everyone else is just hammering them over this deal all right let's go lightning around here on the rest because i feel like we're running out of time in the in the magical room that is the vice couch table room that i gotta have to bail out on in a couple minutes 
All right. So uh, Flyers, Flyers, Philadelphia Flyers did not very much. Somewhat surprisingly, went and got Valtteri Flippula. Yeah, I don't get that, but which was sort of strange. Yeah. Penguins, Jim Rutherford, as as usual, is out there adding guys and trading for defensemen and loading up even though he wasn't supposed to have any cap room. Yeah, did well. He's good. He knows what he's doing. Your team that you seem to love, the San Jose Sharks. Love them. Add Yannick Hansen. I like it. They really need anything else. They needed like another forward, I think, and Yannick Hansen, mm-hmm. he fits that role fine. What, one team that I I don't think we can totally speed by is the is the Blues. Uh, and let's, I mean, let's combine the Blues and Washington together because it's the Kevin Shattenkirk trade. It, he, didn't, he didn't cost as much as I thought he was going to. Nope bargain high pro i mean first first round pick conditional pick prospect that's that's not a lot and i i think what's from the blues perspective i mean if if the market's not there and it sounded like doug armstrong made it sound like maybe the the market didn't materialize the way he he was hoping uh, i get that if you're going to trade the guy you have to take the best offer you can but do you actually have to trade him when you're hanging on to a playoff spot or do you just say you know what we're going to rent Kevin Shattenkirk from ourselves for the next six weeks and and just see how it plays out. Well, my feeling is they like Sanford, so they got the guy they, they got a guy they like. They got some picks, but the thing I'll go back to is the idea that he wasn't on Team USA, he or he wasn't on the World Cup team anyway, and either was Phil Kessel. And I wonder if even though ninety five percent of the free world gets that those guys are good, the quote hockey people really genuinely don't like them because they're not picking them for yeah. international teams. So maybe the market really wasn't that great. And the capitals were like, I'm happy to take the, the 60 point defenseman who's going to make our power play unstoppable. So, um, the, the one, the one narrative I don't get out of St. Louis is this idea that last year they were in this situation with David Backus and Troy Bauer and they didn't trade them and they ended up losing them for nothing. And it's like, yeah, but you went to the conference final. Yeah. That's like, you were a couple games away from, from playing for the Stanley Cup. So was that really like, I don't buy this idea and, and I've got I've got a thing coming up on, on Vice on Friday about this, but I don't get this idea that unless you win the Stanley Cup, anything else that you did was a complete waste of time and a failure. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't know. They weren't going to the conference finals with Shattenkirk this year, so trading him for what they got is fine. Yeah. I like it. Okay. Uh, Tampa Bay, uh, very active team, made a lot of deals. Uh, Steve Eisenman, his main thing was he cleared a lot of cap room both this year and next year. And because of the way that bonuses roll over that, that even this year's stuff helps him next year. Uh, the one thing with him and, and I wrote this on, on Sportsnet is I feel like he misplayed the whole Ben Bishop thing. I feel like they had a goaltender we all knew was probably going to be, get moved. Ben Bishop was a Vezina runner up last year. So, I mean, you're, you're talking about a real good goaltender. They didn't move him in the offseason. They didn't move him earlier in the season. And they end up all but giving him away at the trade deadline. And, yeah, I know they got cap space, but that's pretty much all that they get for a guy that you have to think could have had some trade value at some other point. And, and I, I just wonder, I wonder if they were holding off thinking that Dallas was going to be the destination and that as soon as Dallas got back into a playoff spot, they'd be willing to make a bigger move for a goaltender and it just never happened. And I mean, you, you wait till the deadline, by the time the deadline rolls around, all the teams that are in the playoffs typically have goaltenders already. There's not a lot of good teams, cup caliber teams that have no starting goaltender. And, and I just, I know Iserman's pretty much bulletproof this, these days in terms of criticism. I just, I feel like maybe he missed, 
misplayed this one. Well, real quickly, I feel like they were a cup contender going into the year, so they couldn't just trade one of their their, their number one Vezina finals goalie and rely on Vasilevsky for 60 games. So I felt like that's fine, but I don't think you could have ever predicted the team would be as bad as it was. And like you said, the goalie market sucks. Nobody wants goal. Nobody wanted Yaroslav yeah. Falak, apparently. So, uh, you know, it's it's an I think it's an unlucky bad situation, but I don't really throw Eisenman under the bus for it. What What's, what's next? What do we got? We'll do the last three quick. Toronto Maple Leafs, they get Brian Boyle. That's that's a decent deal. They made that trade with Pittsburgh that was kind of weird and has some Leaf fans kind of confused yeah. because uh I, I don't I don't fully understand that one, but I'm I'm yeah, I'm I'm not gonna devote a ton of time it's to, fine. to it. It's fine. I don't get why they don't like Frankie Carrado, but yeah. well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I don't know. They they just they used cap space, which hurts them next year, to bring in not very much in a fourth round pick. It was strange, but all right. Uh, Vancouver Canucks, Jim Benning only made two deals, but they were two seller deals, and he did really well on both of them. And I'm as surprised as anyone that I'm sitting here saying nice things about Jim Benning, yeah. but I thought he had a really good deadline. Kids kids out there, if you feel like the odds are against you and you can't have success in life, just remember Jim Benning won the trade deadline this year. Jim Benning did well on the trade deadline. And then the very last team, last on your alphabetical list, last in your hearts, last on any list of anyone who's ever going to do anything trade-wise, the Winnipeg Jets did virtually nothing they made one trade drew stafford got a sixth round pick and kevin shoulder i've called it a day yep that's uh that's it that's all we got that's about what we would expect i feel like we got no, we, the Winnipeg we got no time for reader mail this week so we're up we'll, 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 we'll catch up with you next week on that because there's a there's a there's a dude who keeps peeking in the door window here and i feel like he's he, he probably can't beat me he's, he can't beat me up based on what i've seen but he's probably an angry islanders fan yes yeah got feelings about Garcia that he wants to discuss he's like Dave I, I asked you a million times what are they going to do with Halak now that they didn't trade him and I'm like buddy I got to do a show I know you I know you Brooklyn fans out here are wild and crazy about your team but I, I got to go I'm sorry I'll talk to you after it's tough times it's tough times all right well that wraps us up so uh, and join us next week when Dave and I will once again have not very much to talk about <laughs> and and we'll get back to just nitpicking and complaining about everything the league does um, classic biscuits but yeah all right See ya. Bye. Thanks. Bye, everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.